Yes, 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 people. Welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. And let's get to the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 29th to the 31st of March. At number 10, The Lego Movie 2. At number 9, White Crow. At number 8, Lucifer. At number 7, we have Die Walker from the ROH London. At number 6, Fighting With My Family. At number 5, What Men Want. At number 4, Fisherman's Friends. At number 3, Us. At number 2, Captain Marvel. And storming in or flying in at number one, we've got Dumbo. So it's not a bad time for Disney. You know, Captain Marvel stormed the charts and was number one for the last few weeks. And it's replaced by another Disney film, Dumbo. Uh, they're that happy they sent out a release. Disney's Dumbo made cinema goers' hearts soar this weekend as the film was a top choice for UK audiences. The film opened at number one at the UK and Irish box office, taking over 6.7 million, making it the third biggest opening ever for the visionary director Tim Burton. Internationally, the film opened at number one, has already taken an estimated 116 million globally with audiences loving the classic tale of the baby elephant who can fly. In the US, the film received an audience cinema score of A- and took 46 million at the box office. Lee Jury... SVP Studio Marketing said, We are thrilled to see Dumbo once again take flight at the box office. As British summertime begins and the warm weather captivated the country, so too did a heartwarming little elephant, reaching the coveted number one position out of the holiday and with Easter approaching, we couldn't be happier to see this wonderful reimagining from Tim Burton flying cinemas across the UK and Ireland. So yeah, the question is, will it stay there next week? This week, we've got a couple of reviews for you. We've got the number five film, What Men Want. And we're going to start things off with The Haunting of Sharon Tate that will be uh, available to download on Monday the 8th of April. So uh, sit back and enjoy. So the first film this week is The Haunting of Sharon Tate. So this was written and directed by Daniel Ferrans. 
Um, now, Daniel has he's done a lot of horror work. So, um, you know, the Amity- Amityville murders, Amityville awakening. Um, then there's been like a, some documentaries on horror films like there was one never sleep again on elm street um another scream the inside story so um you know he he's yeah he's done a lot of work on horror um so yeah and then it was starring hillary duff jonathan beaton lydia Hurst, um, Pavel Shigurjic, uh, Ryan Carhill, Bella Popper, Vivil Stewart, um, and the gist of the film is, plagued by visions of her impending death, Hollywood actress Sharon Tate played by Hilary Duff, tries to convince her friends that something terrible is about to happen in the hopes of changing her destiny. So this is the first horror film of Hilary Duff's career. Well, I mean, this is stated as a horror film, but I I don't know if I would kind of classify it as a horror, really, at most, maybe you would say it's a thriller, um, so the film starts with, like, Sharon uh, giving an interview, Uh, and this is the one, I guess, true part of the film, because, um, she gave an interview in, um, uh, in 1968, so it was a year before she died, um, uh, where she reveals having a nightmare in which she saw a strange man in a house and then discovered herself and her friend Jay Sebering tied up with their throats cut open. So that's how the, um, you know, the film starts. With, with with her kind of relaying relaying this um then the film jumps a year ahead and we we see like scenes of the murder you know um i don't know if this is real footage because during the this opening kind of montage we are given some kind of real footage from the times but i don't know if the the bodies and that is real footage or not but we have that and then the film like moves back i think it's like 3 days uh before um, yeah, three days before the events, and that's how, you know, that, like the film kind of starts, and then we just have her kind of interacting with her friends, and 
kind of jumping a lot at different things. But I don't know because everything is a bit on the nose, you know. So we'll have her like lying down a lot and then like waking, like having these weird dreams. Or like it will be a dream, like suddenly she's lying down and then she wakes up. And you'll see like someone at the window or someone standing in the doorway. And then she's just like, ah, and then she wakes up. And that, we see this a fair few times in the film. And the music's always playing and just like, you know, building up. Being like, look, this is the bit where the tension is meant to be. So we're having that. And then there's bits like she's out for a walk and... The like people walk past her, these girls walk past her, and it all goes into slow motion. And they turn around looking at her, and we're like, Oh no! So this happens, and we're getting these kind of moments and all these things that are going on, but at at no point, like, it's weird, because it's just, like, no one knows what happened during this time, but they're they're feeding us this story, which doesn't really make any sense, to be honest, because, you know, it's just, like, oh, yeah, these these people have been doing these things, like, breaking onto the property, and blah, 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 but, like, no one thinks, to notify the police or no one thinks to like change the security um codes until the very end or you know put in new procedures or anything like that which just always seems a bit weird and yeah, you you have just these like these odd things happening, and then there's all the just all the conversations are very much on the nose, because it's just like, oh Sharon, <laughs> you're just gonna have such a great life. Oh Sharon, look at you, eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, I bet you can't wait to have the baby. Oh, you've got such a great life, Sharon. And it's just all of this. Be like, yes, we know she dies. She doesn't have a great life. The baby isn't born. You know, so it's all these things to be like, look, this is what could have happened. This is what we were assuming was going to be. And you're just like, really? The like this is said all like because you know you're when you have a when you're talking with friends and stuff and like if friends are pregnant you're not like hey I bet you are wishing that when your baby is born that you have the best life ever huh you know it's just weird they were just weird conversations that like supposedly took place and that and that's the thing it's just like wait so you're saying this is what happened this is what took place just this weird situation and and 
I mean, you can kind of see why Hilary Duff hasn't made any horror films, if that's what we're calling this, before. Because she really hammed it up, to be honest. It, like, the acting isn't great in this film. I, yeah, I, I just didn't really, like, nothing was sold to me, you know, I, I couldn't buy into anything that happened, you know, I, I couldn't buy into the friendship, I couldn't buy into, like, it was, it all just seemed very forced, and just, I guess, very fake, like, nothing seemed natural to me, you know, and, uh, like, they try and do this weird thing at the end, because then, during the film, we're, we're getting a constantly, do you believe that, you know, our, our lives are fated to be, or can we change the way our life is going, so they try and do this thing at the end, that just doesn't work, because you started the film with the deaths, and it's a true event, so we know what happens, so you can't, like, do anything at the end, where you're like, maybe it didn't happen, maybe everyone survived, you know, because no one's buying it, because A, it's just not done very well, you know what I mean, like, that's the main thing, you have to kind of, build it up, you have to suck people in with the performance, so you don't do that, secondly, we know exactly what happened, thirdly, the way you started the film means you can't end it like that, so it was just weird, it was just weird, but I will say this, like, horror isn't, you know, my big thing, like, as you realise from my review of Us last week, yeah, real horror, I'm, I'm, it scares the shit out of me, <laughs> you know what I mean, didn't realise that until last week, um, so yeah, horror isn't my thing, um, and I've never really been into the whole serial killer, like, craze either, that's not been my thing, but, that seems to be, that seems to be a big thing right now, you know, um, like, you've got the, is it the Ted Bundy tapes, you've got Dear John at the moment on Netflix, um, making a murder and all stuff like that, so I will say this, um, if you're a fan of all of that stuff, this could be for you, you know, like, for what perceives to me as, like, a bad script, a hammed-up performance, could just be that, because I'm just not in this world, this isn't just for, you know, this isn't my thing, so if you like all of that thing, if you like all the documentaries on Charles Manson and that kind of stuff, I imagine that, yeah, this could be interesting to you, so, um, 
I will say, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I believe this comes out um, tomorrow uh, on the 5th of, um, yeah, the 5th of uh, April in America. And in the UK, it will be available on um, digital download on Monday the 8th, uh, and you'll be able to get it from all, you know, just the usual platforms, so iTunes, Amazon, Google, um, Microsoft, TalkTalk, Sony, I think it's coming on Netflix as well, um, if you buy it from the other platforms, it will be seven ninety nine uh standard and nine ninety nine H okay so it's just over an hour it's 87 minutes you know so what like an hour and 27 minutes so yeah that is the haunting of Sharon Tate um from uh, Daniel Farans starring Hilary Duff Jonathan Beaton um, Bennett and Lydia Hurst. And it's distributed by the movie partnership. Okay. So I thought I would check out What Meant Want. It's the um, new Taji P. Henson film. So it's starring Taji, Kristen Ledlow, Josh Brenner, uh, Max Greenfeld. Erica Badu and a whole heap of other people. Pete Davidson's in it. Not credited though, which is an odd one. But um okay, so it's written by Tina Gordon, um Peter Hoyk. They're um well, they're on the screenplay. Okay, and it's directed by Adam Shankman. Now there's, there are a few films of Adams that I have very much enjoyed. So, you know, he directed Hairspray from 2007. And that was, it was a fun film. What can I say? You know what I mean? It's, it's not the typical thing that I usually watch. But, hey, ain't gonna lie. It was, it was fun. He, um... Also, he directed um, The Wedding Planner. And there's only a few Adam Sandler films that I... Oh, shit. You know what? That ain't even... I'm thinking of The Wedding Singer. Yeah, no, I didn't like The Wedding... Real, The Wedding Planner. No, I didn't like The Wedding Planner. But, but he did direct and produce A Walk to Remember an early Mandy Moore film, which is so sweet and nice. God damn it, I really enjoyed that film. Uh, so, you know, I think there's enough things for, you, for me, you know, me and other people to be like, yeah, all right, we could give this a go. As well, you know, because it's basically... <sighs> The um, it's kind of a sequel to what men 
to what women want from 2000. I mean, not quite a sequel because it's not sim- same characters or anything like that. But in the essence of that was the man understanding what women want. So this is the reverse. This is the flip. This is the women understanding what men want. Okay, so this is what it says. A woman is boxed out by the male sports agents in her profession, but gains an unexpected edge over them when she develops the ability to hear men's thoughts. So, you know, it's um, kind of the basic gist of the original film. (sighs) But... I think, I don't know, it's, I had, like, a big problem I had with this film was, it's just cliche after cliche after cliche, that's the big issue here, and it didn't really develop from that, so, Essentially, what we're dealing with are these cliches. So it's got the premise of, um, you know, the uh, Taji can now hear what men are thinking. But it just seems, okay, this will make a fun scene. Oh, and this will make a fun scene. And then this will make a fun scene. So it's just taken these things and then it kind of strings it together. So the film itself is kind of disjointed. It doesn't doesn't really flow that well. Because there's also these moments and these things happen. And you're just like, but all you have to do in that moment is say, hey, could you do this for me? I, I need to do this for work. Could you help me out here? Yeah, it's just a simple thing. But that's not done. So you're kind of you kind of wonder like, wait, but why? You know, why isn't a question asked? What is going on here? You know? It's it's just what men uh, now this is the thing, like what women want the original film with Mel Gibson, it's not a groundbreaking film, it's not like the best film you've ever seen, but it is endearing, so this is the thing, because I think there are cliches in it, but it goes a bit deeper than that, it's like, um, he is learning to not just hear the thoughts, but understand the meaning behind them. So, that you know, we, we have the bit where he hears that the girls, that one girl is upset all the time. But he's, he doesn't really piece it all together. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, shit, she's going to kill herself, isn't she? And so then he races and, you know, saves her from killing herself. 
so that's the kind of thing. So you have that kind of, it's that nice moment. It, it, it's that, I don't know, that payoff in the film. Like the whole situation with Helen Hunt, where he's kind of competing against her. But then the realisation, and it wasn't as forced as this new film. See, that's the big thing. Like the original, yeah, there are cliches, as I said, but it's, it wasn't as ham-fisted. But this one, what men want, it's just so ham-fisted with everything about it. You know, the, the Tracy Morgan character is just, it's just a joke. It's, it's just ridiculous. And so you just have ridiculous situations, ridiculous things. So you're just a bit like, this is just so, it's tiring because it's just patronizing. It just seems like a very patronizing film. That, like, it's not sweet at its core. That's the problem, you know. It, it's just not sweet. It's just not, it's just a bit, it just seems a bit bitter, if anything. And, yeah, I, I would say, like, The original film, I don't think, it's not overly mixed. It definitely isn't overly mixed with its cast. But, hey, let, I mean, let's be honest, what films of that day really were. But this film, it just seems like it's only really speaking to a certain demographic. Which is the thing I, and I've said this, look, the the big reason I love Panther was, I mean, <laughs> there are so many reasons you, you had to love Black Panther, right? But the one of the big things was it spoke to anyone, you know, it wasn't just for a black audience, it was for anyone, a Chinese, a white, an Indian, anyone can watch it and take something away from it but what men want it seems to be predominantly trying to speak to a black audience not a bad thing but it just limits the film you know so there's all these things about it that are just limiting this film you know it's not cohesive it's like it's just sketches strung together. It's so low-hanging fruit. So much of the jokes and just all the situations that we come across here. Like, everyone seems to be a bit of a cliche. Erica Badu, Tracy Jordan, Morgan. Oh, I've been watching 30 Rock. Tracy Morgan. You know, Taji herself, it's just uh, all these cliche moments. So, it's hard to really enjoy it. It's hard to look at it than just being a caricature. I don't know. Look, 
could just be me. Right? Maybe I'm just oversensitive with certain things. But I I was hoping for a film that was at its core just sweet and nice. You know what I mean? That really just looked at the human nature. Just looked at the things that, you know, overly what most of us want, you know. Just to meet someone nice. That's it, just to meet someone nice. So that should have been the real driving force of this film. You know, that realisation that, hey, you can have a good job, but the main thing is, you know what I mean? Just having that companionship. Now, they try and tag that on at the end. But you know it's not the driving force. You know it's not what's at its centre, at its core. So that's the disappointment for me. But yeah, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's happened before, right? So, I don't know. What I will say. If you enjoyed what women want you might want to give this a go you know what I mean just to see that comparison but don't be expecting a completely similar film you know I think if you're a fan of stuff like hmm I guess like road trip I guess, um, I don't know, things a bit similar to Think Like a Man. You know, I mean, definitely those ones, like the um, Best Man's Wedding. Yeah, I, I would say if you like those type of films, um uh, like, I don't know, a lot of the Tracy Morgan stuff, if you're a fan of that stuff, then yeah, I think you'll enjoy this, so, you know, there you go, What Men Want, starring Taji B. Hansen, Kristen Ludlow, Josh Brenner, Max Greenfield, Erica Badu, from Adam Shankman, the director, producer, written by Tina Gordon and Peter Hoyk. Alright, it's in cinemas right now, people. So if if this is your thing, go check it out. Okay, so um now last year I had the pleasure of um Sitting down with Richard Squires to talk about his his film Doozy, um, and um, yeah, I, you know, I put the review out beginning of this year, uh, and a little bit of news for everyone that hasn't had the opportunity to see it. Okay, so Doozy is the debut feature from artist filmmaker Richard Squires. Part creative documentary, part essay film. It uses animated anti-hero Clovis, voiced by kids in the hall comedian Mark McKinney, 
as a means to explore the 1960s voice casting of actor Paul Lind as a series of Hanna-Barbera villains. Through the lens of one of Hollywood's hidden queer histories, Doozy contemplates cartoon villainy and hysterical masculinity. The use of voice to signify otherness and the frequently uneasy relationship between character and actor. Following its international premiere at Rotterdam in January, Doozy goes on tour in the UK from the end of April. Um, and, you know, I'll put the information in the, uh, the details of this episode, but uh, the, so the tour starts off on Tuesday the 23rd in Brighton, then the 25th it comes to London, on the 30th it's in Exeter, on the 4th of May it's in Birmingham, on the 7th in Warwick, on the 9th in Leicester and it all ends on the 10th back in London, so yeah, you'll, you'll have the information in the details, so um, hey, if you're around at any of those dates and locations, I'd recommend you try and um, try and attend, because it's a very interesting film, and um, there will be Q&As at all the screenings, so uh, yeah, check it out. <laughs> Okay, so hopefully you enjoyed this week's reviews. So we're going to do a little film news and then we're going to bounce. So it's taken nearly two years, but it looks like finally the current war is going to be released this coming August. Now, it's a film... Um, that follows uh, basically the, the the whole electricity competition between Thomas Edison, George Westinghouse, and Nicholas Nikola Tesla. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a whole kind of war between um, direct current and alternating current. Um, you know, the film was um, helmed by Alfonso Gomez Rijon. Uh, and it kind of got tied, like, just tied up in the whole Weinstein collapse. So, um, yeah, the film has been picked up by 101 Studios. And, uh, yeah, come August, we should see. If uh, it's been worth to wait, really. But, you know, it's an interesting story in itself. So, hopefully the film does it justice. Uh, it's also looking like Zach Braff is going to make his next directoral uh, project. He's uh, tied up to um, direct The Secret Ingredients of Rocket Cola. 
Um, so the film follows the parallel path of twin brothers who are separated for much of their lives. Um, as adults, they seem to come back together, fall in love with the same woman, but put their... Uh, you know, differences aside to try and salvage the family business of um, the soda company. Um, yeah, Rocket Cola. Um, you know, the, the script was hailed as, um, you know, a, a, a great, you know, a great story. It was on the blacklist. And it's, um, you know, from Mike Vukadinkovic, who, um, yeah, who wrote the scripts for Runaways and Kidding. You know, uh, just hopefully it, it can rival Braff's debut, Garden State, because the last two films, Wish I Was Here and Going In Style, you know, weren't, weren't great, let's just say that, uh, so, we got a bit of Marvel news, uh, so it's looking like the, um, you know, the next chapter in the Guardians franchise will be released, um, in 2022, you know, um, I think word is that the filming is going to start February 2021. So after Gunn has wrapped up production on um, the Suicide Squad. And then, yeah, then he'll get into making, um, yeah, the third Guardians film. Okay. So next up... Um, Word is that David Harbour, star of Stranger Things and the upcoming Hellboy, has joined the cast of uh, Black Widow. And Rachel Wise is supposedly, you know, very close to signing on as well. Um, you know, I mean, filming is going to start. In June in London, so I think you know wise the wise role and situation will, should get tied up pretty shortly. But um, but yeah, you know I don't know. It, I'm hoping this is going to be a good film. Natasha Ramanoff is um, you know it's a different type of character, but she's a spy, an assassin. You know, it was it was brought up. In the um, the red box by the KGB, before she escapes to um, become an agent of Shield, and um, yeah, join the Avengers. So uh, you know, it's it's a chance to tell a, a different type of story. You know, I don't think we've had that that spy story yet in the Marvel universe. So you know. It, it, it could be very interesting. And, um, so, like, you know, the final X-Men film in the current, 
kind of franchise really and the last one made solely by 20th century fox before they you know became part of the disney empire is due to come out soon um so that will be uh, dark phoenix and um the uh the, the film's director simon kinberg is um kind of he's stating that well he's kind of going back on what he said which you know it's not surprising because you know he's saying that you know it was already decided uh, long before the whole fall of the disney merger that this was going to be the end to the current cycle starting in 2000 for the x-men films which is you know i guess what else is he gonna say like one thing that is kind of odd is alexandra ship who is playing storm um you know i think she picked up in um age of apocalypse i think that's when she you know she joined the cast she's like not a fan of you know the whole x-men becoming part of the mcu because she had this to say i would and i wouldn't um like you know x-men joining mcu because storm barely has anything to say as it is i don't know about you all but like we never talk. So it would be really nice if we weren't piled into yet another jam-packed cast in which you only see me in the back of the shot like fucking Sasquatch. Um, which is very odd. Because, you know, her assumption, firstly, is that the X-Men are going to be introduced into like an Avengers film or something like that. The next assumption is that she's still going to be playing Storm, which you kind of feel with Dark Phoenix being the end of this cycle, that everyone's getting recast. And you would recast because, frankly, Sophie Turner is not a great Jean Grey. You know, like, a lot of the, the the cast they're not great and you don't i don't think disney would want to kind of carry you know this current lot of rubbish films on the other thing about the whole thing is he's like going oh yeah i don't really have anything to say as it is but you signed on you read the script and you joined now the reason you have nothing to say is the person who wrote the last few films. So you need to talk to them or tap out. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird to go, yeah, I don't want to because I, you know, I'm, I have nothing to say. Because you're assuming the new script writers are going to follow that trend. And when we look at you know, a, a lot of the MCU films, the characters do at least have roles. You know, there's not been too many films where, like, 
you know, you, you just see someone in the background and they don't really say anything. So, yeah, it's a bit of an odd thing to say. But, you know, I don't know. Dark Phoenix is out this summer. And, uh, yeah, it will be the end. And, hey, we can look forward to the X-Men becoming part of the MCU. Hey, uh, uh, some point in the next phase, right? So that's um, going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who gets cast in, you know, what roles. But people, that is it for another week. Um, yeah, enjoy the cinema. And we will see you again next Thursday for the next installment of Echo Chamber. All right, peace.